Lord Jesus, Messiah, you are indeed Lord of all, including Lord of our hearts and our lives. And Lord, when fears and anxieties, worries and doubts creep into our hearts, teach us that you truly hear us. In your name we pray, amen. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. I think it's kind of interesting that in the greater Christmas story, there are four different incidents where different individuals hear an angel of God say to them, fear not, fear not. Mary, for example, had the angel Gabriel come to her and announce to her that she would give birth to the Savior of the world. And of course, all this experience filled her with a bit of fear and trepidation, and the angel said to her, fear not. God has this all in control, basically. The angel appeared to Joseph and told him the same thing, fear not. Next week, we'll look at another example of that, but the the example we're going to look at today is the story of this man named Zechariah in the New Testament. Zechariah was a priest in the temple at Jerusalem, And he was married to a woman named Elizabeth who was actually a relative of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Zechariah and Elizabeth. Their story is in Luke 1. I want to read the opening verses of the text once again. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron, meaning she was of a priestly family as well. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in years. Let's pause there for a moment. Zechariah and Elizabeth were people of God, to be sure. And yet they certainly had their challenges in life. Throughout their married life together, they were unable to have children. And we can only imagine how much agony that must have been for them. And now they are quite elderly people, well past childbearing years. You know, over my years As a pastor, I have ministered to any number of couples who have had to deal with infertility issues. And let me just tell you, that is such a heartbreaking experience for people. It is an agonizing thing for year after year to ask God to allow them to have a child and it just doesn't happen. They pray and pray and pray and it almost to them feels like God really isn't hearing them. Is God even listening to my need? Well, I would well imagine if we can put a little humanity to this story from Luke 1 that Zechariah and Elizabeth must have agonized for quite a few years. And in addition to their own personal internal struggles over this whole thing, they also had to deal with the social stigma of that day of being without children. And some people in that day and age would make the wrong assumption that God must be cursing them 
because they aren't able to multiply and you know, bear children. And so all of that weighed, no doubt, heavy on their minds and hearts all those years. And then in addition to that, what complicated it for Zechariah is that he served as a priest in the temple of God. Daily, he would go into the temple to carry out his priestly duties, which included, of course, offering the incense at the altar of incense. But he had to serve the Lord and no doubt as he did that, wrestle with his own internal questions of why, God, why? The picture I want to show you next is actually a model of the temple as it may have looked at the time that Zechariah served as a priest. Of course, the temple is no longer there. It was destroyed in the year 70 AD by the Romans. What does exist still, of course, is the Western Wall, often referred to today as the Wailing Wall, where uh, the faithful will go and put little prayers on pieces of paper and place them in the cracks between the blocks of that wall, offering prayers on behalf of Israel and so on. The next picture is a view of the temple model from the front. Now, this is a 50 to 1 scale model, okay? But that's what it might have looked like from the front of the temple complex. Now, of course, the floor plan of the temple followed this design, the design of the tabernacle, which God had given to Moses some 1,500 years earlier at Mount Sinai. The tabernacle, you recall, was that mobile tent, quite large, but still nevertheless mobile as the, as the Israelites wandered through the wilderness for 40 years on their way to the promised land. And God had given Moses this instruction about establishing a place where God's presence would be known and where worship was to take place. And in the floor plan of the tabernacle, on the right-hand side, you had an outer courtyard where there was the altar of burnt offerings where animals were sacrificed and burnt offerings. You had the laver, which was a water basin where the priests would wash their hands before entering into the tabernacle. The first room going in was called the holy place. And beyond that was the holy of holies or the most holy holy place. Separating those two rooms was a very thick curtain or veil and just to the right of that curtain was the altar of incense. And one day, Luke tells us, Zechariah the priest was in the holy place at the altar of incense in the temple in Jerusalem. Luke tells us that the assembled worshipers were praying outside of the temple while Zechariah was burning incense and the smoke was rising up. By the way, incense with its smoke that rose up signified the prayers of the people rising up to the nostrils of God, if you will, as he smells them and as he hears those prayers and takes them in. Luke now continues with the story as Zechariah is offering the incense. It says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Fear not, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. 
your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you are to give him the name John. Pause there. Wow, that must have been a rather startling experience for Zechariah. Put yourself in his own sandals there, okay, with all that you know about Zechariah. And then suddenly to have the angel of God, Gabriel, one of the archangels, standing right there speaking to you. No doubt he felt some fear just being in the presence of this holy angel. After all, Gabriel represented God and all of his holiness. And we can well imagine if we fill in the blanks of this story a little bit that Zechariah would have been well aware of his own sinfulness. After all, he was a person, a sinful person just like us. And though he was a priest before God, he would have been well aware of his own inner faults. Maybe he was remembering some of his past doubts, some of his, perhaps, expressions of anger at God over all these years of God not giving them a child. Perhaps all of that went into the reality that he was now feeling fear. For here in the presence of God's holy angel, all of that was exposed. And fear can lead to worry or anxiety, and that can lead to doubt about God. You know, if we're honest, are we all that different from Zechariah ourselves? Aren't we at times filled with fear for different reasons? And we let those fears become worry about the future, which produces anxiety and and maybe even leads to doubt at times. We come to the point of doubting the goodness of God. We wonder, where is God now in the midst of all of this mess that I'm in? And we become anxious. By the way, as a side note, I want to mention that starting on Wednesday, January 10th, I'm going to be leading a Bible study on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock called Anxious for Nothing. Finding calm in a chaotic world. There is a lot that we can become anxious about, isn't there? And so we're going to do five Wednesday nights starting January 10th at 7 o'clock right here in this building on dealing with the the whole reality of anxiety and and how to find calm in our chaotic world. Because at times we find ourselves asking, where is God now? And doesn't God hear me? Well, I think God says to us something very similar to what he said to Zechariah. He said to Zechariah, fear not, your prayer has been heard. Fear not. Fear not, God hears you as well, friends. God hears you in your cries for help. God hears and answers every single one of our prayers that are brought to him in faith. Now, we need to say God answers our prayers in the way that he knows is best for us. Sometimes when we ask God for something, his answer to our prayer is yes, because he knows that is exactly what would be best for us at that time. But other times, God may answer our prayer with a no. And that may throw us for a loop for a while, but 
God always knows what is best for us and his no may be the very best thing that we get because there are some things we ask for that would not be good for us at all and God knows that and loves us enough to say no. And other times God may very well say later on when the time is best for you. Well, to Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, God had said later on, later on. And for years, that was his answer to their prayer. Later on, maybe, I don't know if they actually heard it that way, but that's essentially what he was saying because he knew that a better time was coming for them to have a child. And after those many years, God said yes. And they were given a son and told to name him John. And John would be the one who would baptize Jesus in the Jordan River. John the baptizer would be the forerunner of the Messiah who would go ahead of him to prepare the way for the Lord. He would call people to repentance and to faith in the one who is greater than him. Jesus the Savior. But it took some trust on Zechariah and Elizabeth's part. Interestingly, even after the angel told Zechariah that he was going to have a son, he still doubted. He said, how can this be? We are well beyond childbearing years. And because he doubted in that moment, the angel rendered him mute. He wasn't able to speak. For the entire time that Elizabeth was pregnant, he wasn't able to speak until the day John was born. Then he could speak. All right, now just imagine, ladies. You're pregnant. You're expecting a baby. For nine months, your husband can't say a word to you. I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. But finally, after nine months, yes, he was allowed to speak. Really, if you think about it, Zechariah should have taken a cue from his own name, Zechariah, Zechariah in Hebrew. That Yah ending is short for Yahweh, the personal name for God. Every time in your English Bible, when you see the word Lord all in capitals, the name that is there is Yahweh, the name for the Lord. And Zakar is the verb to remember. So Zakariah means the Lord has remembered. And Zechariah, Zechariah, as we say in English, could have taken a cue from his own name and been reminded from his own name that the Lord had not forgotten about him and Elizabeth. The Lord remembered his promise, remembered his plan, and remembered their plight. And you know, I think we could take that same cue for ourselves whenever we are challenged by fear or worry, or doubt. For the Lord remembers us too. He remembers us and our needs. And he is in control of all of it. I love that short, simple little verse from Psalm chapter 46, verse 10, where it says, Be still and know that I am God. That's the hard part, isn't it? being still, being patient, waiting on God's timing and knowing that he indeed is God, we don't have to be God, and he has it all in control. It's a reminder to trust 
God's timing, no matter the circumstances. For he really does know what is best for us and is always at work for our good. And so the call is to trust his timing. And our God is indeed trustworthy. How do we know that? God proved just how trustworthy he is by keeping his greatest promise of all, the promise of a Savior, promised for centuries, and now born in Bethlehem. I mean, think about it. It must have seemed like an eternity for the people of Israel. When is Messiah ever going to come? And then it all happened according to God's perfect plan and timing. At just the right time, God sent his son into the world to be its savior. And the babe of Bethlehem, whose given name Jesus means one who saves, would live out the full meaning of his name by dying in our place and rising again for our salvation. That same Jesus is proof of God's trustworthiness. At the cross and the empty tomb, we see God is faithful. So friends, I don't know what kinds of fears may have wrapped themselves around your heart recently or what kind of worries perhaps are occupying your mind these days. Perhaps you're even wrestling with doubts about God's goodness, wondering, where is God now? Well, Advent and Christmas are good times for us to take all of those things to Jesus the Savior who was born for us. And friends, let Gabriel's message to Zechariah ring true in your own souls this day and every day going forward. Fear not, God hears you. Amen. And may the peace of God which passes human understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. At this time we are going to watch a brief video in just a few moments uh, regarding the ALSO organization, the Arizona Lutheran Scholarship Organization. Uh, This is the organization that our former Shepherd of the Desert Education Foundation uh, evolved into, and it includes all the congregations of Arizona who make contributions into this organization in order that tuition scholarships could be provided for students who attend our school and other Lutheran schools in Arizona. Please watch this brief video. The busyness of the season can get us all off track when the whole reason for Christmas is Jesus. At Christian schools, children are free to worship their Savior, celebrate His birth, and speak openly about their faith. Arizona Lutheran Scholarship Organization has given millions of dollars to help children attend Lutheran schools. Every year, people like you make donations and receive their money back when they file their state taxes. You heard it right. You can actually get your money back. You really can make a difference. You can help a child receive a Christian education at no cost to you. It's one way that you can be a light in the world. The next deadline is December 31st. 
Simply pick up a brochure and complete the donation form, or give online at alsosto.org. And have a very Merry Christmas. So just to be clear on how this works... Business of the season. Yeah, we don't need to run it twice. To be clear on how this works, if you owe taxes to the state of Arizona, you can give dollars to the... Uh, Arizona Lutheran Scholarship Organization and receive a dollar-for-dollar tax credit off of your state tax uh, liability obligation. So instead of sending it to the state, it goes into the scholarship organization. Those funds then are used to provide tuition scholarships to students who would like to attend our school. If you do make such a donation, you might want to designate your funds for Shepherd of the Desert Lutheran School to know that your funds will go to help students specifically at our school. And that's simply how it works. And if you have more questions or would would like to get more information about this, Mr. Bruce Limebeck, would you stand up, Bruce, who is our representative with ALSO, is going to be available uh, after the service on the patio with a, at a table there. He'll be happy to answer your questions and provide you more information. Thank you, Bruce, for serving in that fashion. At this time, we will receive the offerings for the Lord's work. Would you also place your name and other information in the black registration booklet in the pew and pass that to your neighbor, please?
friends, I invite you to stand as we join together in declaring our Christian faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Friends, as you go from this place today, fear not. God hears you, and he goes with you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.